I came upon an article online and the title of the article caught my attention. The title of the article read like this, Three Innocent Suspects, One Detective Behind Bars, and a Killer Hiding in Plain Sight. Now join me, your host, Bill Swafford, as I talk about the Heather Bogle murder and the investigation that went horribly wrong now on Murderers in Ohio. So we got a killer on a run in Ohio. I was looking for another Ohio county to talk about, and I found an online article that caught my attention. The title read like this. Three innocent suspects one detective behind bars, and a killer hiding in plain sight. That is a pretty interesting title. This article led me to look into a murder case out of Sandusky County, Ohio, which I have not talked about yet for 88 counties of murderers in Ohio. This is a case about murder, three innocent suspects, a detective, and a sheriff who both would end up in prison. There's a lot to cover about this murder and the investigation that would follow. Sandusky County is in the northern central part of Ohio by Lake Erie, just south of Toledo. Fremont, Clyde, Sandusky, and Tiffin are some of the places that make up Sandusky County. Clyde is the city I will be talking about the most. The victim in this case actually lived in the city of Fremont. The city of Clyde has a little over 6,000 people inside the city limits. The National Arbor Day Foundation designated Clyde as Tree City, USA. Clyde, Ohio is also one of the few cities in Ohio where the company Whirlpool built a production plant. Whirlpool is a producer of home appliances like refrigerators, washers, and dryers. The company has been in Clyde, Ohio since 1952, so I believe it is fair to say that the company has employed a lot of people in the Sandusky County area for many years and still continues to do so today. Woolpool is in the northern part of the city on Borzai Street next to State Route 20. In the year of 2015, Woolpool employed a 28-year-old white lady named Heather Bogle, last name spelled B-O-G-L-E. Heather was a single mom of a five-year-old girl. She lived in Fremont, Ohio, and once was a resident of the town Tiffin, which is also in Sandusky County. Heather had blonde hair with brown roots, which was shoulder length. She wore a nose ring. In April of 2015, Heather was dealing with some hard times. She wanted to get her nursing license to provide a better life for her and her daughter. However, Heather took the nursing exam for her license and failed. If that wasn't hard enough to deal with, Heather's brother, whose name was Josh, sent Heather a text message saying that Heather was too stupid to pass the nursing exam. So she wasn't getting any words of encouragement from her own brother. It sucks that her brother Josh could not give her any words of encouragement when she was feeling down, feeling like she had failed herself and her daughter. Heather was also going through a bad breakup. We all been through bad breakups. This one was different for Heather. 
She had just gone through her first same-sex relationship with another woman. Heather had met a lady named Carmilla while working at Whirlpool. Their relationship had ended, but there was still a lot of arguing going on between the two of them. The night shift at work is not for everyone. Heather did work the night shift, usually from 10 or 11 in the evening till 6 in the morning. On the evening of April 8th of 2015, Heather and Carmilla had a bad argument before Heather had gone to work. During the night while Heather was working, Carmilla left a nasty and threatening note in Heather's car. Heather would work through the night till 6 in the morning of April 9th. Heather would be seen leaving Whirlpool around 6.17 a.m. The company's security cameras were on when the night shift was leaving in the morning. Later in the day of April 9th, Heather was supposed to pick up her five-year-old daughter from school. But Heather never showed up. Heather's mom tried to call and text Heather, but Heather never responded to her mom's attempts. Heather's mom got worried that she could not contact her daughter and at some point during the day of April 9th, which would have been a Thursday, Heather's mom contacted the Sandusky County Sheriff's Department. Heather's mom told law enforcement that she had not been able to contact Heather and that she believed something was wrong because Heather would never just leave her daughter. The Sandusky County Sheriff's Department started their search for 28-year-old Heather Bogle. The department at that time was led by Sheriff Kyle Overmeyer. I'm not going to talk about Sheriff Kyle Overmeyer right now. But trust me, you don't want to miss hearing about what twists that the sheriff adds to this episode. The search for Heather would begin. It would take law enforcement 24 hours to locate Heather's car. Heather's 2003 Oldsmobile Alera was found in the parking lot of Somerton Apartments on Hickory Street in Clyde, Ohio. Hickory Street is on the southwest side of the city, south of the Whirlpool Factory. Somerton Apartments is basically two two-story apartment buildings split in the middle by a parking lot. The car was found on a Friday, April 10th, around 8.30 in the evening. Law enforcement would conduct a search of Heather's car. They found the angry note that was left by Carmilla for Heather. When law enforcement looked into the trunk of the car, the search for Heather Bogle was over. When law enforcement opened the trunk of Heather's car, they found Heather's lifeless body. Heather was curled up in a semi-fetal position. She was only wearing an oversized red Mickey Mouse t-shirt. The shirt had an image of Mickey Mouse and the words Walt Disney World in white letters. One officer made the comment that it almost appeared as though she was a sleeping child. A quick look over at Heather's body, officers knew that Heather had bruises all over her body. She had been tied up and she had suffered at least one gunshot wound in the back. This was a murder. Heather's hair had been cut down to the scalp. 
After removing Heather's body from the car, law enforcement searched the car for more evidence. A detective would join in and take the lead over the investigation. That would be Detective Sean O'Connell. While looking over Heather's car, something that law enforcement could not find caught their attention. They did not find any bullet holes in the trunk of the car. The fact that there was no bullet holes in the trunk of the car was a sign that pointed to the fact that Heather was murdered at a different location and then the killer or killers put Heather into the trunk of her own car. Who would want to hurt a young woman who was just trying to provide a better life for her and her daughter? That was something that law enforcement would have to answer as soon as possible. The people of the community wanted justice for Heather. Law enforcement would find out that the last time Heather was seen was when she was leaving work at Woolpool. They knew this because of the video footage of Heather leaving the property and that she had used the time clock to clock out at the end of her 8-hour shift. Something I read really caught my attention. I found an article that was published on April 11th of 2015. In this article, Detective Sean O'Connell stated that they already had many persons of interest, when in fact, they did not. Law enforcement had only one person of interest at the start of the investigation, and that was Heather's ex-girlfriend, Carmilla. Law enforcement did find Carmilla's angry, nasty note to Heather inside of Heather's Oldsmobile. Carmilla was the first person of interest in this murder investigation, and her name was not released to the public. Detective O'Connell interviewed Carmilla, he found out about the big fight the two had the night before Heather had gone missing. The detective stated that after talking to Carmela and examining her phone records, he felt comfortable ruling her out as a suspect in Heather's murder. Carmela was no longer a person of interest. Law enforcement would go back to the apartment complex to conduct a search of the whole property on April 11th and on April 17th of 2015. Two things happened during those two searches of Somerton Apartments. First thing was that they found an eyewitness to the 2003 Bill Olera pulling into the parking lot. The driver parked the car and got out. Then the driver just walked away. The driver was wearing a hooded sweatshirt. The second and probably the most important thing that happened during the searches of Somerton Apartments is that law enforcement knocked on the door of 25-year-old Kiana Bohr's apartment. The detective later stated that a cadaver dog or search dog led law enforcement to Kiana Bohr's front door. Kiana, a black woman, was a single mom herself. Kiana had a boyfriend who had just been sentenced to 10 years in prison for his first drug offense. Detective O'Connell said that Kiana's demeanor and the fact that she wasn't willing to talk to them made him want to look into Kiana Bohr some more. On April 15th of 2015, a reward would be put up for any information that would help solve the Heather murder investigation.
on May 8th, Detective O'Connell would get another chance to interview Kiana. Kiana would continue to say that she was innocent of this murder. Kiana would later say that she was never asked for an alibi. However, Detective O'Connell would discover that Kiana was not home alone the night of Heather's murder. Kiana's other man had been at her apartment. The detective said that made Kiana more suspicious to him because someone like a black man by the name of Omar Satchel was at her apartment. That last name is spelled S-A-T-C-H-E-L. I'm sorry for some of the names that I mispronounce. Some of these names I've never seen before in my life. Omar had done prison time for home invasion and possession of a firearm. Shortly after the interview of Kiana, Detective O'Connell publicly named her as a person of interest in their murder investigation. Here are the reasons that the lead detective gave for doing so. First reason was that Kiana was not cooperating with them. Second, they checked Kiana's Facebook profile. They found a picture of Kiana wearing a red Mickey Mouse shirt. Third was a post that she had written out on Facebook the same day as Heather's murder. It said something like she didn't understand how a person could get 10 years in prison for murder. Those things made Kiana Bohr Detective Sean O'Connell's number one suspect. On May 15th of 2015, the community held a benefit to help raise money for Heather's five-year-old daughter. I have not seen anything mentioning who the father was or where he was at this time in his daughter's life. The lead detective kept his focus on Kiana Bohr. Then on May 26th, Detective O'Connell lets the public know that there is a second person of interest in his murder investigation. This second person of interest would be the man who was at Kiana's apartment the night of Heather's murder. That would be Omar. The lead detective would later state that Omar became a serious person of interest when they found a video of Omar sitting in a white SUV in the parking lot around the same time someone brought Heather's car to the apartment complex. While going over Omar's Facebook profile, law enforcement would find pics of Omar sitting in that same white SUV. Detective O'Connell would continue to focus on Kiana and Omar. The next big thing that would happen in this case happened on July 31st of 2015. The coroner releases the autopsy report. What Heather had gone through was quite disturbing. Heather's body had blunt force trauma all over her body, which meant her killer had beat her all over her body. Heather's shoulder-length hair had been cut down to the scalp of her head. The killer had cut Heather's fingernails down to the very tips, possibly in an attempt to get rid of any DNA evidence. Heather's wrist had self-defense wounds, meaning she held up her arm as her attacker hit her. Her body had been carefully cleaned up, 
there were no signs of rape. The actual cause of death was two gunshot wounds in the back. The bullets had hit vital organs. There was a lot of rage in this murder. To physically beat someone like Heather had been beaten took a lot of rage, a lot of anger. Could Kiana or Omar really be Heather's killers? Detective Sean O'Connell believed that they were, or at least that's what he said. The detective does not back off of Omar and Kiana. The lead detective did come up with what he thought was a connection between Omar and Heather. The coroner had found THC, marijuana, in Heather's system. Detective O'Connell decided that Omar had sometimes sold Heather marijuana. The detective could not come up with enough evidence against Kiana and Omar for arrest warrants. Then something would happen that would surprise a lot of people. Kiana had gone to the news media for help. Kiana had contacted a news reporter by the name of Matt Westerholt. Kiana told Matt that she was being harassed by a detective and being accused of a murder that she had nothing to do with. Matt was surprised by Kiana's actions. Matt never had a murder suspect come to him with a story. Matt had been following the murder investigation and had his own reasons for that. Matt had already written a couple of articles about Detective Sean O'Connell and Sheriff Overmeyer. In those articles, Matt accused the detective and the sheriff of messing up some high-profile cases. Matt believes that there was corruption and incompetence within the Sandusky County Sheriff's Department. When Detective O'Connell's name was brought up by Kiana, Matt was willing to listen to her story. Matt sat down and he did interview her. After listening to her story, Matt believed that Kiana was being framed by the detective of the murder investigation. Kiana told Matt that she had been targeted by the detective. O'Connell, since the beginning of the investigation, law enforcement had searched her apartment and disrespectfully threw some of her personal pictures in the trash. Kiana said that she had never met Heather before. The detective never asked her for an alibi for the night of the murder. Kiana had said that her life had been ruined when the detective announced to the public that she was a suspect in Heather's murder. She lost her job, her apartment, and her reputation. People treated her badly because they thought she was a murderer. Kiana had to keep her son out of school. Detective O'Connell just kept looking for something to make Kiana look guilty. Matt had to choose whether or not he believed Kiana's story. Matt would continue to keep an eye on things. One thing Kiana said in her interview was interesting. Kiana said she was working one day. While she still had a job, she was pushing a patient in a wheelchair. She worked at a nursing home. Law enforcement had come to the nursing home with a warrant for DNA. When law enforcement saw Kiana, law enforcement had their guns unholstered. 
a situation like that in a nursing home would probably get someone fired. I did say that law enforcement had a warrant for Kiana's DNA. There was a reason for that. There was DNA found under what was left of Heather's fingertips. Heather's killer had cut her fingernails down as much as possible. Law enforcement believes the killer did this because Heather had fought back trying to save her own life and possibly had scratched him. Heather's wrists did have what appeared to be self-defense wounds and signs that she may have been handcuffed or restrained somehow. Investigators somehow found enough DNA to create a DNA profile underneath what was left of Heather's fingernails. With their warrant, law enforcement was able to get Kiana's DNA. Now, Detective O'Connell was still looking for something to connect Omar to Heather's murder. The detective thought he found a reliable source. The detective's informant, I don't have the name of the person, the informant told the detective that he knew what happened to the gun that was used to murder Heather. The person told the detective that Omar may have stolen a small caliber handgun, and the person knew the guy who had helped Omar get rid of the murder weapon. This person had said that they had been walking with a man by the riverbank. The man was a black man by the name of Kyrie Jeffrey. Once again, I am sorry if I mispronounced that. The first name is spelled K-A-Y-R-E-E. -E. The person told the detective that Jeffrey was carrying a black bag. Inside of the black bag was the gun that Omar had used to murder Heather. The person told a detective that Jeffrey had tossed a black bag and gun into the river. Detective O'Connell must have believed that he had a really reliable source. The detective sent a dive team to the river to look for the bag and gun. The dive team did not find any black bag or gun. So what's next for the lead detective? April 18th of 2016, Detective Sean O'Connell goes public with the name of a third person of interest, Kyrie Jeffrey. This is where I need to mention that the detective managed to get both Omar and Jeffrey's DNA samples. The detective stated that he did not know the motive of why Kiana, Omar, and Jeffrey murdered Heather. He was just sure that they were involved. News reporter Matt Westerhold kept his eyes on the investigation. He had concerns that the detective could not conduct a good investigation for two reasons. Bad police work and a bad detective. The community was still wanting justice for Heather. Detective O'Connell hit a dead end when the DNA test results came back. The DNA that was found underneath Heather's fingernails did not match Kiana's, Omar, or Jeffrey's DNA. The detectives spent one year and two months investigating those three only. He still did not have enough evidence to charge the three with murder. 
The detective believed that even though the DNA did not match one of the three, it still did not rule out Kiana Omar or Jeffrey as Heather's killers. The detective wanted Kiana, Omar, and Jeffrey behind bars. Without having enough evidence, Detective O'Connell wrote up a report to the county prosecutor seeking indictments for murder for Kiana, Omar, and Jeffrey. The detective waited to hear back about his request for the three indictments. However, his request was not received lightly by the county prosecutor. June 27th of 2016, Detective Sean O'Connell had been put on administrative leave. There was something wrong with his report to the county prosecutor seeking indictments. The detective was accused of knowingly leaving out that the DNA test results did not match any of the suspects in his reports. It seems like that's a very vital piece of information to put in a police report seeking indictments for murder that you have DNA, but that DNA does not match your three suspects. The lead detective was taken off the case, and this only put a stop to the investigation. The detective was put on leave just one week after turning in his report to the county prosecutor. Sandusky County was about to undergo some much-needed changes. The county had a new prosecutor, and that wasn't the only county seat that was undergoing changes. Sheriff Kyle Overmeyer was indicted on 43 criminal charges. The indictment came after a year-long investigation by the Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigation. Suspicion grew around Kyle Overmeyer when Overmeyer picked up opiates from drop boxes at other police stations. Those drugs come up missing. Overmeyer was accused of stealing drugs for his addiction. Apparently, there are some police stations that have drop boxes for people to drop off old prescription medication. There has not been anything mentioned about how much Sheriff Overmeyer knew about the detective's work on Heather's murder investigation. Sheriff Overmeyer wasn't going to go down easy. Overmeyer refused to resign as sheriff even though he was behind bars in a county jail. His name stayed on the November ballot for sheriff which Overmeyer actually received 18% of the votes. On September 20th of 2016, Detective Sean O'Connell does resign as detective prior to his disciplinary hearings for trying to mislead a public official when he left out the DNA results in his reports to the county prosecutor. Like I said, Kyle Overmeyer's name was on the November 8th ballot for sheriff in 2016. Overmeyer went up against a man by the name of Chris Hilton. And Chris Hilton was elected the new sheriff of Sandusky County. On November 22nd, Kyle Overmeyer pled guilty to 13 of the 43 charges that he was facing. 
in December of 2016, Overmeyer was sentenced to four years in prison. This makes me really want to know what all really went on behind the scenes when Overmeyer was in charge of the Sandusky Sheriff's Department. In 2017, Sandusky County Sheriff's Department's new man in charge, Sheriff Chris Hilton, wanted to look into Heather's murder case. So, he started his own new investigation. The sheriff took a look at the former detective's case file on Heather's murder. He stated what was inside the file was not only shocking, but criminal. Sheriff Hilton felt as though the detective had tried to convict three innocent people of murder. The sheriff sent the detective's case file to the Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigation. Before I continue on with the sheriff's new and murder investigation, I want to talk about what was found in the case file. Because in March of 2017, an investigation would start to look into the detective's work on Heather's murder. The Ohio BCI reported that the detective not only tried to indict people that he knew had nothing to do with Heather's murder. Could have been because of racism or incompetence. I don't know. The Ohio BCI said that the former detective tampered with evidence and falsified police reports. The detective ignored evidence that proved that Kiana was innocent. The Ohio BCI reported that Kiana, Omar, and Jeffrey never knew Heather. Plus, Omar never sold Heather any marijuana. The red Mickey Mouse t-shirt that Heather was found in was not like the one that Kiana owned. Kiana had a red Mickey Mouse hooded sweatshirt. The Facebook posts about a person getting 10 years for murder that Kiana wrote, that former detective O'Connell thought was a mission of guilt. It was about Kiana's boyfriend getting 10 years for his first drug offense when some people get 10 years for murder. Kiana should have never been a suspect after her second interview with law enforcement. So why was she? Did the detective have a grudge against Kiana or Kiana's boyfriend in prison? I think that is a good question because former detective Sean O'Connell helped in the investigation that put Kiana's man in prison. The detective and Kiana didn't know each other before Heather's murder. The detective never looked at anyone else as a suspect. He didn't even talk to Heather's co-workers at Walpole. There was an email about a co-worker that was sent to law enforcement that could have helped solve the case within days, but the email was overlooked by the detective. I will talk more about this email in a few minutes. While on the topic of emails, former Detective O'Connell did not bother to check Heather's email accounts or social media. The new Sandusky County prosecutor indicted Sean O'Connell on four felony charges, misleading a public official, 
tampering with evidence, destroying and concealing evidence, some serious charges. This wasn't the first time Sean O'Connell had been under an investigation. The former detective had previously been cleared of charges for having sex with a criminal informant and stealing grant money to help pay for her child support payments. I hope that the state of Ohio looked over every criminal investigation that O'Connell had ever worked on. While the state of Ohio worked on their case against the former detective, Sheriff Hilton still had a killer on the run in Ohio. The horrible investigation that was done by the detective would make it hard to bring charges against anyone for Heather's murder. The sheriff knew that he had to start from the beginning with his investigation. Kiana, Omar, and Jeffrey had been ruled out as the killers. The sheriff was positive that what happened to Heather wasn't just a random murder. There was a lot of rage behind this murder. This was personal. So the sheriff started with the last known person who had a bad argument with Heather. The person who had left Heather a nasty, angry letter. Heather's ex-girlfriend, Carmilla. After talking with Carmilla, the sheriff ruled her out as the killer. The sheriff would go and talk with Heather's brother, Josh. Josh was not a suspect in the murder. The sheriff was back to having no suspects. He had Heather's emails and Google accounts looked at. That's where they got their lead. The GPS in Heather's phone had tracked Heather's movements after she left the Woolpool parking lot. The GPS showed Heather being at a trailer park in Clyde, Ohio. That's where Heather was last tracked by the Google GPS. Heather left work at 6.17 a.m. By 6.30, 13 minutes later, she was at the trailer park. The trailer park was a few miles away from Whirlpool. It was Emerald Estates Trailer Park on Burkholder Road. The name has since been changed to Cherry Knoll Mobile Home Park. There are two lanes, mobile homes on each side of the two lanes. At the end of one of those lanes was the mobile home that Sheriff Hilton was interested in. The mobile home park is on the northeast side of Clyde, the opposite side of the city than Whirlpool. The mobile home was owned by a man by the name of Daniel Myers. Myers was an average-sized man. He was losing his hair on the top of his head. He was around 46 or 47 years old. Sheriff Hilton knew that no bullet holes were found in the trunk of Heather's Oldsmobile Alera. This mobile home could have been the murder location. Former Detective Sean O'Connor never talked to Heather's co-workers. If the former lead detective would have talked to them, then he would have come across the name Daniel Myers. Believe it or not, the detective did see the name Myers in an email from a co-worker of Heather's. In this email, 
the person suggested that law enforcement looked at a person by the name of Daniel Myers for Heather's murder. That email was ignored because the detective was focused on three innocent people. Myers worked at Woolpool and actually worked the same night that Heather had gone missing. Myers and Heather worked on the same production line and had talked to one another. A simple check into Myers' background would reveal a charge from 1988 where Myers pled guilty to child endangerment. In 2001, Myers was charged with a domestic assault. The charges were dismissed. Sheriff Hilton and his deputies would go and talk with Myers at the mobile home park. When interviewing Myers, Hilton noticed a lot of red flags. Myers talked as though he barely knew Heather. Myers actually asked law enforcement why they were even bothering them. The Heather situation was over. Myers didn't see the point in their investigation. Sheriff Hilton found out a couple of things about Myers' mobile home. Myers had replaced the floorboards the same week Heather was murdered. Then Myers replaced his bed mattresses at the end of the month that Heather was murdered. The sheriff believed that he had enough probable cause to request a DNA sample from Myers. Myers refused. And then the sheriff got a warrant for Myers' DNA. On June 1st, 2017, Daniel Myers was arrested for the murder of Heather Bogle. The DNA was a match. June 12th, Myers would be indicted for murder and kidnapping. Myers confessed to what happened to an inmate who shared a cell with him. Myers had a crush on Heather. He would sometimes drive past her home. He tried to ask her out on a date, but she would always just laugh at him. The last night Heather had worked, Heather had been upset because of the text she had received from her brother, Josh. Josh, the one who said she was too stupid to pass the nursing exam. Myers invited Heather over to his mobile home. Heather thought she was going there to be with a friend. It is believed that the attack happened as soon as Heather walked inside of the mobile home. Myers made a sexual advance and Heather rejected him. Myers grabbed Heather's arm and Heather punched Myers in the mouth. She actually broke one of his teeth. Myers overpowered her and beat her down to the floor. Then he handcuffed her and beat her some more. At some point, Myers had Heather on his bed where he tortured her. When Myers had enough, he shot Heather in the back twice. Then Myers did what he could to clean up any evidence. When Myers was arrested, it took place at a local campground. A man at the campground who usually helped Myers out with some things, said that Myers had given him a 38 caliber handgun to hold or possibly get rid of. 
The man said Myers dropped the gun in a septic tank at Wooded Acres Campground. The gun was never found. Myers would go on trial for murder and kidnapping. If found guilty, he could get the death penalty. In February of 2019, Myers, at the age of 49, would plead guilty a month before his trial was set to start. Myers was a sexual predator. Law enforcement had a 138-page report about Myers' control and violence towards women. Myers even had videotapes of himself with a few of the women. He kept a journal of his sexual acts. After Myers was arrested, 10 women came forward saying that Myers had abused and raped them. Some of the women were former Bullpool employees. Myers had nothing to say. Days before the hearing, Myers tried a failed suicide attempt. He was found face down in his jail cell. Myers got life without parole for the murder of Heather. Law enforcement believes Myers would have killed again if they did not catch him and put him in prison. There is someone who believes that Myers killed someone before he murdered Heather. Six years before Heather's murder, Myers' girlfriend, Leanne, was found with a single gunshot wound to the chest and a 22 caliber rifle beside her. It was quickly ruled a suicide. After Myers' arrest, Leanne's death is now being investigated again, and to this day it remains open. If former Detective Sean O'Connell would have done his job correctly, Myers would have been locked up and no more women would have been hurt. Sean O'Connell would have his day in court for his wrongdoing in Heather's murder investigation. Kyle Overmeyer was supposed to testify against Sean O'Connell, but instead O'Connell took a plea deal and received two years in prison. The former detective served his time in Graffin's Lorraine Correctional Institution. The ex-detective still stands behind his original investigation into Heather's murder. He will not say that he was wrong because he did not get the chance to close out the case. I am Bill Swafford, and this has been Murderers in Ohio. We got the devil on the road in Ohio.